Welcome to the State of Our Workforce, Where Are We Now? Each month, we take a deeper dive into the, to the diverse, innovative, and effective workforce solutions the National Fund is adopting to address local challenges across the country. My name is Michelle Wilson, and I am the Director of Evaluation and Learning at the National Fund. With me today are two stars in the workforce in the world of workforce. I hope they're doing this. Um, Carrie Felton, <laughs> Director of Worker Success, uh, and Tom Strong, Director of em Employee Activation. Hey, y'all. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so let's get, so you guys ready? Yes. Ready. <laughs> we talk a lot about occupational segregation and workforce development, um, as we should. It's uh, a big issue, and it's one of the key drivers um, key drivers in the challenges we face to create uh, equitable workforce outcome, outcomes. Uh, and for us at the National Fund, we've planted our stake in the ground around this issue. Uh, and I also, in doing so, I just want to give props to the National Fund Network uh, for being in lockstep with us on this. That's really important. You know, the beauty of our network is that while we may not have all the answers, <laughs> we have data, we do have data, we have commitment, we have voice, we have leverage, we have space, we have informed theories and ideas, we have resources and partners that, that allow us to test, refine, and implement strategies to improve workforce outcomes. So I'm super happy that we get to chat about some of, um, some of all of that today. Um, uh, so let's go ahead and get started. And, and just wanna level set by sharing with you our definition of occupational segregation, which is in the chat. But the National Fund defines occupational segregation as the distri distribution of workers across and within occupations based on demographics such as race, ethnicity, and gender. And it's really at the, often at the intersection of these characteristics. Our aim is to disrupt occupational segregation at the regional level by driving coordinated policy and practice changes across the workplace, uh, workforce, and post-secondary education systems and communities to help ensure that race does not dictate employment outcomes. A mouthful, that's why it's in the chat, but really to get that out. So, um, and before I tee to carry a ping to carry, I wanna talk about some of the things that we're doing at the National Fund on a high level or where we are moving in this space. Um, we really are looking at the childcare space, um, healthcare, construction, and of course, across all of those occupations, um, looking at the role of career navigation. So we're doing a lot in the space and we have a few minutes to talk about it. And so we're gonna dig in. So Carrie, I'm ping to you. Tell me more about what's happening in the equipping workers space around occupational segregation at the National Fund. Thanks, Michelle. Um, so occupational segregation is a really big um, problem when you look at the, uh, the grouping of certain uh, races and different uh, job categories and sectors. Um, so for us, the way that we, it's showing up in the Equipping Workers for Success um, team is, you know, we're advancing strategies. We're working with our network, like you said, um, some of our sites around equitable um, post-secondary education career pathways. And what's bubbling up in those sites is that when we look at, um, and, and we have a particular focus on really using partnerships, strong partnerships, 
between community college, technical colleges, and industry partners and industry partnerships to really make sure that when you um, finish the certificate or a credential, you can get into a good job. So what we've seen bubbling up in those communities that we're working in is a lot of the career pathways that have the strongest connections to good jobs. Um, you know, oftentimes our um, job category sectors that are um, predominantly white, um, sometimes predominantly male. Um, and so some of the strategies of like, how can we get diversify this really are pointing at disrupting the drivers of occupational segregation, whether that is, um, you know, how can you, we get more people of color, women and people of color interested in manufacturing or construction, some of these industries um, to even um, enroll in these programs or whether it's about removing barriers um, to enrollment or completion or retention that are disproportionately impact um, communities of color. All of these things have come up as challenges. Um, we're talking about equity. Um, and so really, you know, we were taking cues from the collaboratives that we're working in and saying like, we really wanna um, really focus in on occupational segregation and really support our collaboratives and, and partnerships and working together to start to peel back the onion and look at the data and say, what really is driving, what are some of the drivers of um, sort of this, um, this grouping or this over-concentration or in some places, or sorry, under, under representation. And in some categories, you know, we know there are, um, certain jobs or industries where people of color are overrepresented and we see the opposite, right? Those often lead to um, lower wage, lower quality jobs. So there's two sides of that coin that we're seeing. Um, and in our team, we're really focusing on community colleges and kind of the, the sphere of helping folks um, move through those credential programs to really connect to good jobs. No, thanks, that makes sense. I mean, in that really what we talk about is, um, because occupational seg segregation, like it's, it's big, right? Like you really have to look at how you address it on multiple fronts. And so I'm curious, Tom, I'm ping, ping, I'll ping to you and ask you. So, so what does it look like to, in, in addition to what Carrie is saying, but what does it actually look like to, to do this work? Cause we've been thinking and doing these things for quite some time. Like this, these aren't really new. We've always, we've always known we've needed to address this. We need to address this, but what does it look like through the lens of occupational segregation? So that's a really good question. And I want to build off of the experience that Carrie was sharing, which, yes, some of the factors that really keep occupational segregation in place have to do with education. They have to do with what we think of as those social determinants of work. They also have to deal with the choices that employers make are a big factor in keeping occupational segregation in place. And Carrie raised the example of like, okay, frontline, like especially service industry jobs that are disproportionately represented by people of color. So let's think about a specific industry. In healthcare, major frontline jobs such as certified nursing assistants or home health aides, those are very disproportionately women of color who are employed in those roles. They're very low wage roles. They're roles that in most settings don't have much of a career ladder or career pathway attached to them. Um, they're what we think of as dead-end jobs. And unfortunately, through the decades, like many employers have said, okay, like we're just going to go along with this because this is the way things have always been. It's kind of the path of least resistance to keep these jobs in that format. Um, and it leads to the kind of 
occupational segregation that we're talking about today. They don't challenge the system as it is. We do find though that there's value in some employers out there who do challenge it, who do think about how can we reconceive this role so that people work closer to the top of their scope and do have opportunities for education, do have opportunities for advancement. There are some really good programs that are um, being developed right now by PHI and Cooperative Home Care Associates in New York, for instance, where they're experimenting with advanced roles for home health aides um, and kind of building in more of a gerontology lens into them. So that work is possible. There are employers who are taking those steps and really trying to challenge the system, but it's not easy. And we see our role at the National Fund as being about both supporting and recognizing employers that do that, but also challenging those that don't, because ultimately we don't think that it's better for employers either to just go along with what everyone else is doing. Uh, in fact, we think of an entrepreneurship, you know, as about really kind of coming up with new solutions, right. new ways of doing business. So, and, and speaking of CNA, so and, and like certain jobs, CNA jobs aren't going to go away. So in spaces, so in it, so it's a both and, right? So for people who want to advance, they can, but in spaces where people choose to do it in CNAs, which is perfectly reasonable and acceptable, that's where job quality comes into play, our job quality work, right? Like it's a, it's a both ends. And I know we do a lot of, you do a lot in that space. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're ultimately like restaurant jobs too, like is another great example. We're always gonna have people, a lot of people working in those roles. It's not sufficient to just create a pathway out because there's gonna be more people working on them. Like we have to think about how to make those jobs better at the same time. Which goes to one of our goals at the National Fund. All jobs are good jobs. Just wanted to get that in there. Uh, so one of the things I really appreciate about having both of you on the call is that you work on opposite ends of the spectrum, but they are, it requires that we work together, right? Obviously, EQSS, activate employers for improved outcomes. Um, we are also, and so I wanted to say that, but in addition to that, we also are working in the construction space and the care, the, the, the care space in child care. So is there anything that you want to offer, say, about that work or, or tea, the, that work that we are plotting and planning around um, that space, Tom? Yeah, I'll just add that we are planning some big moves in the construction industry right now. Um, it is obviously a space where there's a lot of federal investment. There's a lot of philanthropic investment. There's a lot of real career pathways in that industry and the problem of occupational segregation and really outright discrimination is mm -hmm. very, very difficult in that industry. I would say even more so than in healthcare um, and how to, how to both change organizational cultures in that industry while also really kind of helping people sustain through the educational programs. And that is a, is a big question we're going to, we're going to try to address. Right. Um, so we're on the countdown, and but I want to um, create space um, for you all to talk about what you're most excited about. Obviously, we're just we have 15 minutes to dig into this. You'll hear more about this work as we continue um, to move and engage um, along work um, in this space. But Carrie, tell me, what are you most excited? Well, first, what do you see? I, mean, I think you put it if you can do both. And I yeah, yeah. You can, like, yeah. What do you see as a challenge in doing that, like really um, disrupting and what we're what we're doing around disrupting occupational segregation? What are you most and why does it matter? So three questions. So 
you're you're putting me on the spot, Wilson. I'm going to answer three questions in one answer. Um, so what I am excited about is actually related to the challenge, which is that occupational segregation has so many drivers. It's it's there's so many things that are driving and keeping this um, phenomenon in place, including sort of attitudes and stereotypes and beliefs about people of color um, and and gender and all of those things um, that are really ingrained and they're hard to um, they're hard to disrupt. Uh, and what I'm excited about is at the National Fund, just leveraging, um, you know, the, the support we can provide to our collaboratives that are all about working together across institutions, across sectors to really address a problem. So we really want to create space, time, support for them to come together um, and think about what is the slice of this really big problem that we actually feel like we can influence. And I'll just give a quick shout out to our collaborative um, in Springfield, Massachusetts, Springfield Works, that has been focusing on this question that we've been talking about around CNAs and LPNs. And they have come together with their, their hospital system and their community colleges. And they spent a ton of time, a ton of resources. I mean, it hasn't been easy, but they've gotten to a place where they've been able to start to like point to some things they want to try and uh, and have resources to, to test it out. So that's just like what I'm excited about is trying to move the needle. Nice. Tom, what are you excited about over in your space um, and why does it matter? One thing that I'm really excited about right now is our Career Stat Frontline Worker Champion Award Program, uh, which was just launched for the first time in four years last week and is continuing to accept applications through uh, September 22nd. Um, uh, my teammates, Melissa Cleeter and Claudio Mano, put a ton of work into reconceiving and revitalizing this award program and got a lot of help as well from our executive committee um, the health guide career stat overall. Um, but in particular, like we've really rethought the application process itself. There is still a lot of emphasis on career pathways and what we think of as traditional workforce development, but also the social determinants of work, um, a racial equity and inclusion lens, which is threaded throughout everything, um, and really trying to disrupt those, fact those factors behind occupational segregation. Um, so we're really excited about the new program and we are looking for applicants right now. And we will put the link to that application in the chat. Um, so we are at time. Um, obviously, I want to thank you both. I appreciate you deep um, for joining uh, us here today on State of Our Workforce. Um, I um, appreciate and understand that you could have been anywhere else in the world. That's my Jay-Z quote, but you decided to be here with me and I appreciate that. Um, Amanda Cage joins us next month for Workforce Development Month, and we have a special announcement about what's happening at the National Fund. So join us next month on State of Our Workforce. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> State of Our Workforce, Where Are We Now? is a production of the National Fund for Workforce Solutions. This episode was produced by Josh Enoch. The music in this episode is produced by Alex Productions. You can find past episodes of State of Our Workforce on our website at www.nationalfund.org. State of Our Workforce is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you may listen. State of Our Workforce airs live monthly on LinkedIn. Follow the National Fund for Workforce Solutions on LinkedIn to get updates about the next live recording of State of Our Workforce. Thank you.